I'm Julie Holland. And I'm Nick Spacek. We're the hosts of The Carnage Report, a horror news podcast, part of the Cinepunks Podcast Network. Every other Thursday, we bring you the latest news you can use on horror movies, casting, production, re-releases, trailers, and more. We also do a deep dive into a movie new to streaming or theaters, giving you our thoughts and opinions on whether you should check it out. Toss in recommendations for similar movies and a whole lot of commentary, and it's all the horror news you can use. The Carnage Report is on Twitter and Instagram at Report Carnage. Find us at cinepunks.com, that's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, or wherever you get your podcasts. Howdy folks, my name is Owen Brand. And I'm Katie Cadaver. And we are co-hosts of the VHS Vault Podcast, where old is new and cringe is king. Uh, we are a podcast dedicated to bringing you old and obscure movies from deep in the vault. That's right. You can listen to us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and on Planet Rage Radio Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on the Live 365 app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And email us at VHSVaultPodcast at gmail.com. The Shameless Picture Show is part of the Cinepunks Network. If you like the Shameless Picture Show and you want to hear other great shows like it, make sure you check out the Cinepunks Network. You can find them at www.cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. There's other great shows such as Cinepunks. There's The Carnage Report, Cinema Smorgasbord, Fat Girl Hacks, Loud, Fast, Philly, Tomb of Ideas, and Twitch of the Death Nerve, and so much more. If you like punk rock and you like movies, make sure to go to www.cinepunks.com. And let's not forget the sponsors for the Cinepunks Network. We have the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley with service to the whole country, professional and personable in a way that only a DIY business can be. They also have ridiculously low prices for whatever your screen printing needs may be. You can visit them online at xlvacx.com. That's xlvacx.com. Com, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. We also have the Essex Coffee Roasters. They're, all their coffee is roasted to order. They have high-quality beans, a bunch of apparel, and tea available. They are bringing high-quality coffee to the masses without the pretentiousness. Use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. You can visit them at www.essexcoffeeroasters.com. That's E-S-S-E-X, Coffee Roasters. Once again, use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. Big shout out to the band Crossed Keys uh, for lending us that awesome fucking music during our little ad. That song is called Who We Never Were. You can buy that single currently off of Bandcamp. The band is called Crossed Keys. It will be on their full-length album, Believes in You. Uh, that song was lent to me by Crossed Keys, specifically, uh, I don't know if he goes by Joey Angel or goes by Joshua Alvarez, but I met him as Joshua Alvarez. He's the co-host of Cinepunks, our fucking network, and I told him, I love this song, I want to use it, so that way people don't have to just listen to me talk, and he said, fuck yeah. So please, if you like the song, uh, the song's called Who We Never Were, you can get that on Bandcamp currently. Uh, it's off of their album, Believes in You. You can get the 10-song... The 10-song LP is out. Go show them some love. Hey, do you like weird movies? 
You do? Have you heard of vinegar syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, Corpse Grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and pick up your copies of Rudy Ray Moore's Dolomite films, just in time for the new Netflix movie Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Also available is Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, James Hong's The Vineyard, Pledge Night, Lust in the Dust, starring Divine, Putney Swope, The Amityville Cursed Collection, and much, much more. Also, don't forget to pre-order your copy of Tammy and the T-Rex in glorious 4K Ultra High Definition, or Blu-ray, and The Angel Collection. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and on this episode of the show, it's time to take a ride on the nightmare merry-go-round, and the only person that could ever possibly join me is podcaster, film lover, and friend, Dr. Austin Proctor. Dr. Austin Proctor, PhD, (laughs) no. Um, Yes, I am very excited to be here for this uh, episode of the show, and uh, mainly because you haven't seen this, and I cannot I wait to hear your <laughs> thoughts and feelings on this movie. And uh, everyone listening at home, Austin is not a doctor. Do not send him like <laughs> pictures of ingrown toenails and shit. He does not want to see it. What do I do with this? Yeah, I don't know. Put some aloe on it. That might help, probably. <laughs> aloe? Like for birds? <laughs> like for sunburns? Exactly. Don't ask me for medical advice. You'll get the wrong answer, my friend. <laughs> Oh, man. I feel like I talk to you almost every day, but still I'm going to ask, how have you been? Oh, I've been doing pretty solid here. Just uh, trying to ring in the new year, you know, get 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 some priorities straightened out as I try to do every year and watching a bunch mm-hmm. of movies, you know, me and the wife. Uh, it's pretty much all we do now since we have a child. 
who likes to sleep a lot. We just we just watch a lot of movies, you know. So we've been watching a shit ton of movies this year. Um, oh, that's that's me. Even when without a child, so <laughs> if that's what if that's what having a child is like, then I'm I'm suited for that life. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty chill right now, you know. When she when she's sleeping, it's just like all right, let's pop in a movie. And then when she's awake, we're like, all right, let's pop in a movie. <laughs> yeah so yeah it's been it's been good life is uh definitely different with the kid but you know adjusting adjusting very well yeah i get that yeah i'm i'm trying to get back into the the podcasting mindset because last year you know we had you know nick had to uh leave the show uh for um personal reasons so i took over and me and Nick did this great thing at the beginning of this season. We're like, we're going to sit down and plan out every episode. And it's easy to do when you have someone else. But when you have to rope in a different guest every single episode, it's a lot more uh, chaotic to do. So instead, what I've decided, I'm only going to do a handful at a time. I plan a handful of episodes. And every time I complete one, then I will, like, you know, add another to the roster. So, like, I have, like, the next three, maybe four episodes planned. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way to do it. Plan it out like month by month, man. That's that's definitely the way yeah, to do it. Yeah, especially cuz I only do about 2 episodes a month anyways. So yeah. like so realistically like, oh, I've got 2 months of episodes planned. So that's nice. Yeah. Um that's a good way yeah, to do it. Doesn't doesn't overwhelm you, you know, when you have to do yeah, all of it. However, all. like I'm coming back with a bag. So I'm doing this with you today. I have a meeting tomorrow with a potential client. Um next week I have a, I I'm doing I have an episode with uh uh, one of the guys over at Severin Films. Nice. We're going to be talking about the Al Adamson movie, Frankenstein versus Dracula. Oh, okay. Um, and then I, I might, I can't, I don't want to give any names just in case, but I ha- might have a, 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 a director on talk about her movie. Um, but like, because of that, it's like, oh man. So I have to watch Frankenstein versus Dracula. I have to watch the other director's movie. And then since I don't know anything about Al Adamson, I want to watch the documentary made about him <laughs> all with next week. And I still want to find time to watch the, you know, three and a half hours of flowers of the killer movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Good God. Yeah. That's going to be a busy week for sure. Like, I don't think I'm going to get the flowers this week, but you know, I want to. And plus on top of that, like I'm going to the movies on Tuesday. I've got D and D on Friday. <laughs> what are you seeing on Tuesday? Hundreds of beavers. <laughs> Hundreds of beavers. <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, this described as a silent supernatural epic. A drunken, uh, sorry, a silent supernatural epic uh, about beavers. <laughs> okay, let me know how that is. That sounds quite intriguing. I won't. Hundreds. Lie. Of beavers. <laughs> so I'm seeing that on Tuesday. <laughs> is it a documentary? No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's a narrative film in the style of old silent movies. Oh, oh yeah. That, oh, you did say silent movie. Oh, that sounds incredible. Okay. I have to <laughs> I'm that, hoping so. Put that on my radar uh, for sure. <laughs> so it's going to be a busy week. On top of that, like, I, um, I just got, and like, you know how this is. You're a movie collector. You get you have like you have plans of things. Oh, I need to watch this, this, and this for the show. Or yep. For whatever reason, and now that you've gotten into the world of reviewing movies, now that you kind of have to or not, you've always been reviewing movies, but now that you're doing like physical media reviews mm. for Arrow, you now have to slot those in yep. as well as like special features and and such. So like, granted, first world problems. <laughs> like, you're right. Yeah. I but sometimes you're like, I just really want to watch Evil Dead too, and it's you can't always fit that shit in. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, not a huge problem, but it's just, um, but you know, I, I just got in the warriors, which I want to rewatch and I've not seen the theatrical cut since high school. Oh, okay. 
because that version I got has a theatrical cut, and then like the version no no one likes that was the only one available for the longest time. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and then I just got the Weird Al movie in. Uh, the one with Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, that one is like super good. He does a great I, job. I enjoyed. Well, I should say, I enjoyed it, and I love anything with Weird Al. Uh, I didn't enjoy it a lot the first time, only because I watched it on Roku. Oh, okay. Which is not a problem, except that Roku has an ad like every five to eight minutes. Oh, man. At least Tubi is not that bad. Yeah, like it took me forever to finish it. Um, and since I had to stream from the Roku app, because I use an Apple TV, yeah. like there'd be always like weird things that would happen when it switched to ads and switch back. And it just took me like two and a half hours to finish this weird owl movie. And it's like, this is really hurting my enjoyment of this movie. Wait, isn't, wasn't it a Roku or like original or something? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. So but you... I can't, I, I can't get the Roku app on my Apple TV. Oh. So I had to stream it from my phone and cast it. You'd think they wouldn't put advertisements though in a Roku original. That, I, that would, uh, you'd think they want you to enjoy. That's how, the, that's how they pay for it. That's how they pay for that shit. No, I know. I, I just figure, you know, if it's your movie, maybe, you know, you don't put advertisements in there since it's, yeah. You, but, I, wow. I, yeah. Well, it's funny. Damn. So right now, currently, I dropped Shudder for just a little bit. Yeah. Shudder and Apple TV just so, so I can get Netflix instead. Because Netflix is so fucking expensive, and they're actually ca- killing it lately too. To be quite honest, they're they're killing it with content. Who, who is Netflix? They're actually doing an really? incredible job lately. Well, I I got it so I can watch the new Mike Flanagan, and then a couple yes. other things. We I don't normally keep uh, Netflix because I enjoy Apple TV and Shutter more. But I thought you know if I'm going to be watching a lot of Netflix stuff, I can get rid of those two for a month, yeah, or two or whatever. Um, which I'm really sad about because there's things I really want to watch on Shutter, but I, I need to catch up and finish on stuff on um, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. But uh, what's funny about them is, so I've got the the cheapest version, which is the version with ads. Okay. Uh, and they only show ads during their programming. They don't show ads during. If you watch something that's not an original, they, there's no ads. What? Oh my god! You think that would be the opposite? They, yeah. <laughs> nope. No, nope. so they only silly. show ads during their stuff. So silly. God but damn then, it. On top of that, just because – so you, this is another problem you might you might sometimes experience. When you have a massive movie collection, a lot of times you buy things and you don't always get to it right away. And it goes on the shelf. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I forget to open things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so back when I first started collecting movies, I was always very anal about anytime I got a movie, I'd have to open it up and I have to pop it in to make sure it works. Oh, true. Yeah. It's always like a, a panic. Yeah. What if it doesn't work? And then I've got stuff that are, is, is old now that I don't know. If I'm, <laughs> so I've made it a goal. I've gone to my shelves and I've pulled out everything that's not opened or like just pull, slid it out a little bit. That's not opened or that I've not tested. Mm, okay. And I'm going to, like, every week just try to go through these things and, like, just to make sure everything plays. Because some of the stuff I I probably won't be able to get uh, replacement copies of, but at least some of it may. If something doesn't play, God forbid everything works, I won't have any problems. But, like, hopefully at least some of it, if I have to replace it, I can still get it. 
Yeah, that's actually a fair point. I have a lot of stuff on my shelves that is unopened and not played, and I didn't even think about the chance of it not playing. So, yeah, that is kind of a, I guess, a risk I dabble with by not opening shit up and checking yeah. it immediately. So, like, what should I used to do, do is I, I pop it in, I go through every scene. I, I can't, you know, I can't watch every move, but also like, it kind of excites me sometimes. Like, oh, this looks great. This sounds great. I, I gotta move this up my list of shit to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I go through every scene, and then I just click on every special feature just to make sure everything plays. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should probably start uh, screening things <laughs> before yeah. I put them on. I my guess show. I used to be very good about it, but now I'm very bad at it because sometimes you get a lot of movies in and uh, just don't have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, yep. It, once again, first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> I did this to myself. But yeah, I feel like I've been talking about how have you been. How's the kid? How's the family? How's the podcast? The podcast is great. The family's great. Baby's happy and healthy. I mean, she's crazy, but you know, it, the happy and healthy is the the part to focus on. You yeah, know, she's going to be crazy for quite some time. A couple years here before she starts to like level out. But you know, when she can walk and talk, I'm sure things will be a little bit more normal. But now it's just screaming and yelling because that's all she knows how to do. So, <laughs> I'm I'm I can't wait to like get a text from you and be like. The baby just said her first curse word. <laughs> right? That's, that's absolutely some, some, what's going to happen. Something about children's cussing is just the funniest damn thing. <laughs> yeah. it's we're, wonder, we're wondering what swear word is going to be her first because we don't know. When, you don't, I don't really know how to, when I have to watch my mouth around her. You know, I don't know when she's going to start talking. So we're betting it'll probably be shit or fuck. I was going to ask you what the worst thing what the worst thing you've said in front of the kid is. Uh, right now, there's no filter, but eventually there will have to be a filter at some point because I can't speak with the mouth that I have because that's just not, that's just not good parenting. But uh, yeah, yeah your, kid's, so. your kid's gonna go to school and be like, "What the fuck is this lunch? <laughs> what is this bullshit lunch bomb pack for me? What is PB and jelly? What the fuck, man? What the fuck? I specifically asked for ham and turkey on rye. This is bullshit. With a little bit of mustard. Yeah, what is, and not even yellow mustard, that fancy mustard, that brown mustard. I, I like the idea that your your kid has like the taste of someone who frequents a delicatessen in New York City. In New York City for no reason at all. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, everything is pretty peachy over here. We just, uh, we've been doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger marathon. Ooh. Yeah, just watching, like, all his, like, top movies. It's been Like, what's fucking... been on the docket? Oh, uh, let's see here. So, we started off, it's been a couple weeks in the running here because we've had to rent some, and we've had to find some, you know, in some odd places. But, um, let's see, we started with True Lies... Which, which I've still never seen. Yeah, I still I don't I think that was the first time I saw it. Fucking awesome. Then we moved on to T two, which I've seen plenty of times. Then mm-hmm. we did Eraser, Total Recall, Twin. Mm, I haven't seen Eraser or Total Recall. Total Recall is I think it's his best movie. It is Ooh. yeah, Total Recall's fucking awesome. Then we saw Twins, The Running mm, Man. Twins. Oh, I love uh, the Running Man. Running Man is great. Last action hero. Oh, and it's that's timer for me. Oh, then Conan the Barbarian, then the Sixth Day, and now we're gonna move on to Kindergarten Cop and uh, another uh, one that I can't remember. So, Kino yeah. Lorber just put out a 4K for Kindergarten Cop. Did they really? Oh, that's right, they did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been fun. We've been going through. It's just like we'll do this randomly. We'll just we'll we'll like like two years ago it was um, Steve Martin. We put on one Steve Martin, and then it just spiraled from there. So every now and again we'll just go through like. 
I kind of uh, want to do that this year with Jean-Claude Van Damme because his, his movies oh, are kind yeah. of a blind spot for me. <laughs> okay. So, like, I've seen, like, I've seen a couple of them, but I haven't seen the big ones, like Kickboxer and Bloodsport and oh, Time heard... Cop. I've never seen those. Okay, yeah. I know. I've, I've seen, seen some of, like, his weird ones that he's done just because they were available. Like, I've seen, I've seen, uh, 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 um, oh, God, what's the one he did with uh, Dennis Rodman? He did a movie with Dennis Rodman. Oh yes, he did. Oh my! Hold on, I gotta oh look this my! Up. Double team. Double team. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's the description on Google. Uh, a CIA agent is interned. Interned? That doesn't feel right. I know that's a correct <laughs> word. It just doesn't look right when you read it. A CIA agent is interned for failing a mission to kill an international terrorist. Escaping from his island exile, he teams up with a flamboyant arms dealer and sets out to find the terrorist and rescue the agent's wife and son. I bet you can guess which one is the flamboyant one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, that sounds incredible. <laughs> yes. It, 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 it is team. a lot of fun. Um... And then uh, there's another one I saw recently that was Jean-Claude Van Damme and Rob Schneider. <laughs> Whoa, what the fuck? He's done some very odd pair-ups. That one was called Knockoff. That one is directed by uh, Sui Hark, who did Once Upon a Time in China. Oh, my so, goodness. So, like, he is a big name in Chinese cinema. And listen to this description. Fashion designer Marcus Ray, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, has been selling knockoff jeans in Hong Kong. But he's about to get caught, and not by and not just by his partner Tommy, who's played by Rob Schneider, who's an undercover CIA agent. Marcus's boss Karen, also CIA, is threatening to throw the book at him if he doesn't prove he's gone straight. But nothing is what it seems, and other forces are conspiring against the fashion designer, including KGB operatives and Russian double agents. Okay, now I have a maybe he's the flamboyant one in the other movie because we're talking about these knockoffs and it sounds like some bedazzled jeans there going on. There is a so. scene at the beginning of this movie where. Jean-Claude Van Damme, who is like a knockoff fashion guy, and Rob Schneider, they have to win a rickshaw race. <laughs> oh my god. This sounds... Okay, now I think we might have to do a Jean-Claude Van Damme. We might have to go through uh, some of his movies. Oh, that's I right. know. He, he wasn't Last Action Hero. That's hilarious. Oh my god. And Paul Sorvino is in this one too. I'm sure he plays like a mob boss or something as he oh, normally I'm does. Sh- yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Oh my god. Well, actually, I think he plays like the head of the CIA or some shit. Okay, yeah, that yeah, or that. Like, yeah, he, he that's that's his range. Top of the cops, top of the bad guys. Yeah, th- that's it. Oh my god. <laughs> that's fucking so, great. All right, yeah, those are I think both I'm on the list. I also need to do some Jackie Chan films because I got that Criterion Police Story collection. Ooh. And I've not watched them. So I don't know. That's been part of the fun of going through my movie collection is sometimes just fun to sit down in front of it and be like, what trends do I want to go with? <laughs> Anyways, are you ready to talk about some killer clowns? Fuck yes, I am. Let's do this. All right. So on this episode of the Shameless Picture Show, we will be discussing, and if I if I misquote this, please correct me. We will be discussing Austin's all time favorite movie. Is that correct? Not, I mean it's it's like oh. it's like probably top five for sure. Okay, okay, well, it is one really of my all time favorites. You have to tell me what the all time favorite is, but I was okay. close. One of all Austin's all time favorite movies, a movie that's become a staple of low budget eighties practical effects, and a movie that I'm ashamed to admit was still on my shame list. 
until today. We are discussing killer clowns from outer space. Mike Tobacco <laughs> and his girlfriend Debbie are spending their nights like any other average American team at Lover's Lane smooching the night away. That is, until they see what they believe to be a comet crash in the distance. Upon investigation, they realize that what has landed was not a comet, but a surface. That's actually a species. They discover, they discover that inside, inside the structure are a group of killer clowns who take joy in killing the local clowns in different circus-themed ways. Can Mike, Debbie, and Debbie's boyfriend, Officer Dave, save the day? Or will these killer clowns make a circus out of this Killer Clowns from Outer Space was created by a trio of brothers known as the Chiodo Brothers. After one of the three brothers had seen a clown wandering the side of the road, the clown was so unsettled the brothers at this time had become well-known in Hollywood for their creative puppetry, clay models, animatronics, and fabrication skills, having worked on the Critters films. While the film had a low budget for its time, the Chiodo brothers stretched every set and made one of the most ambitious practical effects movies of all time and one of the most iconic films to ever come out of the 80s. On top of that, it also has one of the most insanely fun theme songs of all time, which is performed by L.A. punk band The Dickies. Killer Clowns from Outer Space was written by Charles and Stephen Chiodo and produced by Charles, Stephen, and Edward Chiodo with cinematography by Alfred Taylor and music by John Massari. The film stars Grant Kramer, Suzanne Snyder, John Allen Nelson, and John Vernon as Curtis Mooney. Directed by Stephen Chiodo from 1988, this is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It was a night like any other night. Then, something happened. Did you see that? Something different. It's no shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? <laughs> They've been knocking him dead all over the universe. What are you gonna do? Knock my block off? Soon they'll be doing it at a theater near you. Killer clowns from outer space. Just cruising through the galaxy and stopped here for a bite to eat. You don't need a police bell, you need a psychiatrist. Uh oh. They want to play games? They're messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. All right, Austin. So I've known since I've met you your absolute fondness for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Hell, I'm looking at one of the masks right behind you right now. Yeah, <laughs> that is <laughs> that is Shorty. Um, 
talk to me about your history because obviously my history is I just watched it the other day. Tell me, talk to me about your history with killer clowns from outer space. Well, actually, I do have a funny story because apparently when I was three years old and I was at my aunt's house, uh, she played this for us. But, you know, I was what? three. Yeah. <laughs> I was three. I don't fucking remember. And my mom got, like, super mad at my aunt for that because, you know, my parents are, like, super religious and stuff like that, and they don't do horror movies. So I had apparently seen it then and honestly hadn't watched it until it was coming to HHN. I believe it was HHN 27 or 28. And, and okay. 20, yeah, so I didn't watch it until I was, like, almost, you know, in my 30s. And I watched it, and I was like, okay, this is cool. And I was like, I, I like this. And then I watched it again. And I was like, okay, I really like this. And then by like the third or fourth watch, I was like, okay, this is like all-time favorite movie. I love this thing. <laughs> so I haven't even been watching it for like my whole life. It's just something that happened later in life. But I just fell in love with it because it's so cheesy and wacky and, and fun. So yeah, It's and, definitely you know. a wackadoo movie in the best <laughs> possible way. <laughs> yeah. So that's my little 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 history there with Killer Clowns. That's, uh, that's probably the first horror movie I technically ever laid eyes on. When so, I was three. Every time I t- I've told like one of my friends who is also a hardcore horror nerd that I haven't seen this movie, they always seem a little shocked. And I understand because like this is a staple movie. Like I feel like people who even if you haven't seen Killer Clowns so much, like you're familiar with it. You don't forget a title like Killer Clowns from outer right. space. Like it's and then on top of that, you know, being a big fan of punk music when I was younger, I had a lot of music from the Dickies. So I knew this theme song. Oh, did you really? Okay. Oh yeah, like I knew this theme song very well. Like, and I I it was a period of time where like, I was listening to the song like, every day and had not seen the fucking movie. And a part of that uh, okay. was part of that was so when I was becoming when I was really falling deeply into my love for horror, which was middle school through high school college, you know, those years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, streaming wasn't a thing. Right, right. And um, so I had, there was a, there was a local video store that did not close until I was in Cal. Actually, I could tell you exactly when it closed. Give me one second. Twenty ten. Okay. About so my, my years. Yeah. Um, because the only reason I know that is because <laughs> it was a pretty short notice. New releases come out on Tuesday. They announced it the Thursday after. They wouldn't have ordered new releases if they thought they were going to be closing. Right. Uh, cause, huh. And I know, I and the reason I can tell you what date is because I went in there and bought the brand new fucking uh, Blu-ray for Scott Pilgrim versus the World for nice. like half off because they were selling it because they were going out of business. Nice. Okay. So that's the only reason I know when it came out, <laughs> or, or when they closed, is because of that. So like, if there was a movie I wanted to see, like I knew of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, uh, but there was a it was a, a, two, a twofold thing. One, when I was first getting into horror, some of the kitschier, more like goofy horror films did not catch my interest. And mm. in my mind, I told myself that this was a non-serious horror film. And while there's some truth to that, yeah, um, it was done with a lot more love consideration, and there was some legitimately frightening scenes in this movie. You know, mm. in my mind, it was a intentionally so bad it's good type movie, and those don't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I didn't know the history of it, so I didn't know how fucking serious the Chiodo brothers were while making this film. <laughs> um, so there was that part of it. So it was like it was kind of like why I didn't want to see an invasion of the killer tomatoes for so long. It's like mm-hmm. it's like, it just doesn't sound like my type of thing. <clears throat> Um, only reason I saw Invasion of the Killer Tomatoes is because I had an English teacher who showed it in class. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's, that's odd, but hey. Mr. Ludke, if you're listening to this, why the fuck did you show Killer, uh, uh, Killer Tomatoes from Mars? Whatever the fuck the name of that movie is. I just said it. <laughs> what um, does this have to do with English? Yeah, well, I'm confused. So, Mr. Ludke, me. if you're listening, I doubt you are. <laughs> Hit me up. Tell me what, what happened there. Um, <clears throat> but then, if there's a movie you you'd heard about, and you can't find it at your local video store. Might as well just doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean Amazon wasn't around. You know, eBay it was. was it's just but... like I, I didn't have the money to buy movies like that. True. I mean, also that. Yeah, when you're when you're when you're that age, yeah. Yeah, and um, I honestly never thought to use the library. <laughs> to this day, I sometimes forget I can get shit from the library. That's true. Yeah. Um, like I can get Criterion's from the library. How cool is that? I just never think to do it. Um, so like if, if, if it wasn't readily available and it wasn't coming on TV somewhere, a lot of times you just missed stuff or if I couldn't find it at my local target and I think I could find it at my local, did you guys have Suncoast video? No, we had Blockbuster and Hollywood video. Suncoast video was like a movie, a place to buy movies. Yeah. Uh, Oh, okay. No, we didn't really have, uh, yeah, we only, it wasn't a rental place, but the entire store was just filled with DVDs and and a couple Blu-rays. Uh, it was at the mall. It was kind of like a Sam Goody. I don't know if you guys had that. Um, we had Sam Goody, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it was kind of like so Sam Goody was for records. This was for movies. So it's yeah, same okay. concept. Gotcha. Um, All right. And I think there was a copy of Kill Clones Water Space there. But like even their used prices were like 30 bucks for a DVD. Oh, shit. So I was like, I don't want to see it that bad. <laughs> so like, it eventually got to the point where like, I just kept putting it off and – you know, I would see it. I, I should have picked it up like when I would see it for like five or ten bucks at Walmart or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just never did. But I uh, so this was my first time seeing it. This is a long story to get to that point. <laughs> and I kind of feel like so I should specify I did like the movie, oh, but good. I feel like I feel like the way you did the first time you saw it, mm-hmm. where it's like I like this. I don't know if I love it yet. But I can see myself growing to love it. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense because that's exactly what happened to me. I thought it, I thought it was a good fun time the first time I watched it, but I was like, eh, I don't. It's, it's not that great. But then over time, like every every time I watched it, I was like, my rating just kept going up like a half star. I was like, I really like this. So you you grow a fondness for the movie over time. At least, I mean, most people do. I would say because most of my friends love the movie too, and they kind of grew that fondness for it um, just over the years because it is just something to turn your brain off and watch. You know, you're not really watching it for plot. You're watching it for these crazy clowns killing the shit out of people with cotton candy guns. So Yeah, and I would say like <laughs> yeah. that was my biggest takeaway when I was watching it was anytime the clowns weren't on screen, my brain would just kind of sometimes turn off. Oh damn. <laughs> and it's Which not to fine. say that the others weren't doing a good job. It's just the clowns were so much more entertaining than Mr. Mike Tabacca. <laughs> Wacky tobacky Mike over here. Fucking Mooney. He's such a... God, he's such a dick. He's such a stick in the mud. Oh, but he's so fucking good. Oh, yeah. He's so, great. he's so great. But at the same time, you're like, man, you you, you were just no fun, man. <laughs> Didn't believe so, those kids at all. What's going on, Kurt? Same old shit. I got him boozing it up in the park. We were just walking through the park on the way to the dorm. 
We had a bottle of wine. Yeah, it's a beautiful night. We were walking around. We didn't do nothing. You guys go to the college, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So why don't you just stay there and do your drinking on campus? Why do you have to come into town? Well, I mean, we live in this town, too. I mean, we don't have to just stay on campus. Yeah. And it's scum like you that are killing this town. Come on, Curtin! Curtin, come on, Come on, come on, Curtin! Just take it easy. Just What's the matter, Dave? You got a thing for these little boys? Oh. Empty your pockets! We just had a little wine. What's the problem? You're the problem, you little shit! Just lighten up, Mooney. Just lighten up. Back off, Dave. Open container, public intoxication, littering, disturbing the peace, resisting arrest. These kids are history. Unless you want to rewrite the laws, Mr. Police Academy. Oh, look, you got this problem with my training. I don't care. But when you bring someone into the station, I don't want to see you beating them up. Now, if you're going to book them, do it according to procedure. Or I swear, Kurt, you and that badge of yours will be history. Tell you what's going to be history, Dave. These kids. Get in there. Back when you first watched it. Yeah. So, like I said, you liked it, but you didn't love it. Do you remember what you were unsure about? Uh, I think I was just unsure of, because it's got like a 3.5, I think. And, you know, back when I was doing Letterboxd, and back when I started it, you know, I didn't really know, you know, I knew it was out of 5, and I was like, okay, you know, yeah, it's got a 3-3, three, three, but it's got some pretty high fives for having a 3-3. Three, three. So I was like, I just don't understand how it's that good um, because, yeah, it's just I, I like the clowns. But I think I was kind of like you. I was like, you know, if they're not on screen, I was like, all right, there's not really much happening in the way of plot. They're just trying to, you know, get the cops to actually believe them. But over the over the years, you just I just I don't know. It's just something about it. There's just this charm to it. The the practical effects are just so damn good. Um, yeah, they are. And this movie like, only had like a million dollar budget, like maybe a yeah, million two, like a million or two. And it's just crazy how good. the. I mean, it definitely looks like someone in a clown suit, but the faces are so animated and they're so just like realistic looking that you're just like, all right, I really enjoy this. And then the and then the score. I didn't appreciate the score the first couple times. Uh, like I liked the intro theme music, but like the actual score itself, fucking slaps throughout the entire movie. It Definitely. is so good. Definitely, like it, it's <laughs> uh, it's got a charm to it. And apparently, uh, John Masari, who uh, who scored it, he didn't necessarily love what he did the first time around. Like he didn't dislike the music. It's just he was limited in terms of like technology. I think he pretty much just did it with just him and a synth. Yeah, um, that sounds you know, he didn't right. have a lot to he didn't have a lot to work with. Um and apparently he has gone back and he has rescored the movie with like a full fucking orchestra. Oh. Like I don't like or he has done like a live like scoring of the movie with an orchestra and I would Ooh. love to see that or hear That it. would be incredible. Yes, that would be incredible. Cuz like the score is very indicative of its time, you know. Of um you know the the synthy sounds. Don't get me wrong; I love synth scores, but there was a. It's very obvious that when I was watching this movie, um, it felt very indicative of, or it felt like it was heavily inspired by the 1950s sci-fi movies. Okay. Um. And, you know, so, like, The Blob or 
this island earth or things like that um which while made cheaply had like full scores and if anything i was feeling like that's what i just feel like it's missing that element and i just wanted a little bit more from this like i said all the themes and everything are really are really pretty and it's like it's really it's really good score but i i guess i wanted i that's what i was hoping for i was hoping like so if if i could ever get a recut of this movie with just uh uh like a full orchestral version of the score i think that would be incredible that would be pretty cool. I would. I'm. I'm sure they would do that too. That would be amazing if if John Masari re-recorded it and they re-released it. I think that'd be amazing. Um, still waiting on that Killer Clowns 4K. You know, at some point that would be great. That's like one of the movies I feel is so deserving of a 4K is this movie. Is that supposed to be coming? It's been rumored for like ages at this point. I mean, especially since they just did that game too, the Killer Clowns game. They're, like, it's they did a Killer just- Clowns game. Yeah, there's a Killer Clowns game. It's it's like the uh, it's like Dead by Daylight, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. From what I, from uh, what I can hear. okay, well that makes yeah. sense for this type of game or for this yeah. type of movie. But, um, yeah, so it's supposed to be heavily rumored that at some point they're going to announce a 4K. Uh, yeah, that definitely. Would be, that would be amazing. Um, so one thing, like I said, one thing I liked about the movie as I was watching it is I, as I talked about just now, is that it very much felt inspired by those like 1950s sci-fi movies and it plays out just like them where um you know some unknown element from from the stars lands on earth um some unsuspecting team like it felt like this could have been set in the 1950s like easily yeah um you know some unsuspecting teens over at makeout point or whatever um happen upon it um see the horrors that are coming, try to inform people of what's going on. They don't believe them. Um, and then as the unknown creature from another planet shows up and starts creating havoc, at this point, you know, the police are already getting picked off and they have to, like, in their own scrappy ways, try to fight back and kill this creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of loved that. Like, I love... Because it's been no secret, uh, those were not my favorite types of movies for the longest time, uh, but I've grown to appreciate them within the last five-ish years or so. I used to call them lab coat porn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've really come to appreciate them, and I I could tell that it it felt like a very loving satire of those. Um, And I also have just – I found myself just kind of fascinated by these clowns. Um, And I love that this movie – has a lot of theories in terms of why these clowns are here, but we never find out, and I love that. Yeah, you don't have any idea why they're there. They show up out of nowhere, wreak havoc on the town, and yeah, uh, yeah and then they're gone. <laughs> like, we don't know if they're just there to eat, if they crash-landed. We don't know if, like, the version of clowns that we know today are inspired off of these aliens having visited in the past. Like, we don't know. There's a lot of mystery, yeah. Which this is this is a case where the mystery works for me because I'm like, a fee- like an explanation on this would just be like, uh, we don't need to know. They're, f- they're from space, like that's all you need to know. They're from space. They crash landed or they landed in their carnival fucking tent, which is so cool. Yeah, I love the carnival tent. That's like huge on the inside. It's like Harry Potter shit. They walk in there and it's just this massive, huge yeah. like a- auditorium and like, style rooms. And and, like, and those like the, the Chiodo brothers really made their budget stretch because I just, I looked yeah. it up according to IMD. Sorry, uh, according to Wikipedia, which you know we don't know how accurate that is. Their bu- budget was one point eight million dollars. Okay, which in how much is that nineteen eighty eight money? One point eight million 
in 1988. It's probably like 2.5, maybe. Um, ba, 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 ba. Yeah, about, about, wow, actually, you're pretty close. About 2.5. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was pretty fucking close. Um, yeah. So, you know, still a, a really small budget. And <clears throat> the story that I had heard is the Chiodo brothers walked into, um, I think TriStar put this movie out. Uh, whoever whoever produced this movie, um, they walked in and uh, were asking, we're, we're going to pitch the film, and they had like maquettes made, masks and such. And apparently, they just kind of said the title of the movie, and they were like, "Fucking sold." <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the title is all I need to sell this movie. I mean, seriously, yeah. come so, on. They 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 got the money for this movie, but like I said, it's still a pretty inexpensive movie. But they made that budget really stretch. Like how, so much of this movie was done on like was obviously done on sound stages, and were like matte paintings. And like you go back and watch those mm-hmm. scenes inside the tent. Mm-hmm. A lot of those backgrounds don't exist; they're just matte paintings. And I like the the one where the like there's that giant hole in the ground that was well, yeah, that, that that was a painting that was an e- that was easily a painting. Um, and there's no way he, they did that. Yeah, like so the the amount of actual sets they probably had inside of that spaceship were probably very low, and because of that, they could just kind of keep moving things around and and just having various paintings, and it's a way to kind of force perspective and force scale in a really creative way. And on top of that, since the Chiodo brothers were already puppeteers and fabricators, they probably had a lot of stuff laying around Um, and were able like because like a lot of times when you're making an effects movie, the the biggest cost is going to be making the effects because you have to get the supplies, you have to get the molding stuff, you have to get all this stuff. And not to say it didn't cost them money, but they could probably eat some of that cost because they have it laying around. They have a studio. They were making things anyways for other people. Um, yeah. so they're able to kind of probably stretch that dollar quite a bit. I mean, it was a, um, uh, a labor of love for us because, um, even before we got into production, we'd been thinking about this idea for, for many years, mm. you know, started just conversations about, you know, what's the scariest thing you could think of driving along a dark road. And it was, uh, if you looked next to you and saw a clown peering at you from another car. To give you an idea, like the Chiodo brothers, they're really creative and they're very clever, um, and they have no problem reusing things. This, uh, I believe they reused the killer clowns masks in Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah, I was just, I was just about to tell you. Yeah, in case you didn't know, but you already knew. Yeah, they re- reused them to repurpose <laughs> Which them, a that couple of them. Mo- Ernest Scared Stupid was fucking nightmare fuel for me when I was a kid. That's one I still. That's one I still haven't seen. I have not. Never got into the Ernest movies. I never uh, really I love, heard. I love them as a kid. Now, whether or not they hold up, I have no <laughs> fucking clue. But I, the would nostalgia have was there. Ernest goes to camp, and Ernest scared stupid on constant rotation when I was a kid. Well, and uh, they're like stupid expensive now on to buy on physical media. So and and they're not streaming. So that's why I'm like, I want to mm. watch these. Yeah, like I want to watch these movies, but they're not really anywhere to stream. Weird, because I actually have an Ernest three pack DVD. Oh, okay. 
Let's yeah, see. Some, like, like Scared Stupid, I'm pretty sure, is like 68 bucks out of print. And I'm like, son of a you bitch. You can rent it for 4 bucks on Amazon Prime. Hey, right, here we go. Here we go. If you start, type Ernest Scared Stupid, you can find a, a, a triple feature three-pack. That's Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Scared Stupid, and Ernest Goes to Jail for 20 bucks. Less than 20 bucks. Oh, well, then I've just been, been searching horribly then. Jeez. Yeah, right, well. I found it. Um, <laughs> I also remember there being like an Ernest ba- baseball movie or a basketball movie. Uh, Ernest, a uh, slam dunk Ernest. Slam dunk yeah. Ernest, yeah. That um, has to be new or like new-ish on Amazon because that was never there when I looked. Okay. Well, I bought, this or- I bought this originally at Target years ago, but, you know, whether oh, or not Mil- it was on Amazon before. Milk Creek did it. Yeah, okay. I'm putting that in my cart then because I have never seen that option. Cool. Fuck yeah, watching that shit. Yeah, Ernest um, was very much a. Not, we're not talking about Killer Clowns right now. We're talking about Ernest. <laughs> uh, Ernest was definitely a very much a a part. Like it, it was a specific time in history that. Anytime I'm like, do you know who Ernest is? And they're like, no. I'm like, I, I don't blame you. Like, like <laughs> you either know who Ernest was or you don't. Like, I, I. Yeah. It's like sometimes I tell my wife, it's like, oh, do you remember Pee Wee Herman? She's like, I never really saw Pee Wee Herman. I was like, oh, then you just. It's kind of hard to explain what Pee Wee Herman was. Yeah, exactly. You either knew like, or you didn't, and yeah. Yeah, and it's like, like if you like, like people who grew up knowing who Pee Wee was, it's like you get it. If you don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where to begin. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to start. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't really sacrifice someone, would you, Ernest? Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Well, human sacrifice would definitely be a last resort. Now, traps is where it's at. You see. Mr. Big, Bad, Short, and Ugly will probably come strolling through the woods saying something like, Oh, sure could use a rest. Maybe catch a movie on the cable? Think I'll check into this troll motel. And then we got it. And with this alarm system, the minute something steps in our trap, the beeper will go off. And endo trollo, comprendo? But going back to the Chiodo brothers, like, it's... I, I don't imagine this movie could have been made by anyone else. Mm, like, no. they they really... It's clear that this movie was made by people who love cinema. Yes. But who are also really fucking talented. And yeah, they did a lot of the work themselves, from what I've heard. This movie is kind of like... I'm not going to say this is the first example of this, but, you know, it's... Probably it's it reminds me of Terrifier before Terrifier in that it was a bunch of effects artists just got together and been like let's see what we what, let's show people what we can do. Yeah, no, I under I can I can understand the correlation there. Um, so Killer Clowns from Outer Space walked so Terrifier could run. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh right. Yeah, I mean they did a fucking. It's just I I don't know. I'm just I'm just in love with all the all the clowns. They're fucking amazing. Did you have a favorite clown? Um, I'm sure I did, but get, I have to look up like their names. I have to look up. I know, like, I know most of them. By I heart, love but. that you do. Um, I love the internet. <laughs> the internet is great for when you need a quick answer. Yes, yeah, so I, I do. Clownopedia, cool. <laughs> Clownopedia. <laughs> all right. Oh my god. Alrighty then. Okay, let me see. Oh God, they're all just so frightening now that I'm looking at pictures of them. <laughs> I like that one of the clowns' when... name is Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. Yeah, I love Rudy. Rudy was the one who fucked with the bikers, right? That was pretty great. 
that was Shorty. That was the one. Oh, was yeah, it? that was Shorty. Rudy was who? the one that was in the store that was throwing all the shit around in the store. Who was the clown who was outside a Big Top Burger trying to, like... That was Jumbo. Jumbo yes. is probably my favorite because that scene gave me such fucking goosebumps. When he was trying to lure the girl outside? Yes. It was like... Because, yeah. like, up until this point, like, the movie had been silly and been fun... But they were really smart by the way that they showed the clowns. Like the first time that the farmer was walking around the tent and he's like, how do we get inside this circus? And um, you just saw like the silhouette of the clown. I was like, oh, yes. that's actually really creepy. I'll um, be greased and fried. <laughs> I love any time there's a, a redneck farmer in a movie. I don't know yeah. why. It's music. It's so great. Um, but I... Um, so like I I I but like that scene where he's just like standing outside and just like doing that finger thing like come here, come um, here, and then like he's just looking really fucking creepy. And you see the hammer behind him. It's like oh he's gonna fucking kill this little kid. My my my, my I like I would literally want to know was he planning to just bash her brains in in front of God and everyone like yes because he's what they was... not afraid of no human. It's just, was he going to cotton candy or was he just going to, like, knock her block off? Like, what the fuck I imagine he was going to, like, pull the hammer out, bonk her so hard, hard on the head that her head will recede into her body. And like, whack like, oh. Yeah. oh, man. Yeah, I'm like, God, yeah, because that, that's one of the most genuinely terrifying scenes in the movie. That scene... And when Jumbo uses Mooney as like a mar- like a puppet. Oh my that, god, yeah. the marionettes! Yeah, yeah, horrifying. Uh, apparently, the story goes that uh, so John Vernon, who John Vernon, we, we'll talk about him in a second. But so John Vernon, who plays Mooney in the um, the the Chiodo brothers, originally had wanted him to do like a high pitched like creepy like puppet voice or whatever and he goes no i don't think that's a good idea he's like trust me on this and he did the scene the way he did it and it just made it so much more creepy yeah i don't think a high pitch voice would have worked in that instance how he did it was perfect yeah exactly especially because i can't imagine john i can't imagine john vernon doing that fucking voice (laughs) yeah that doesn't sound like something in his wheelhouse honestly no and like and like it's funny i also recognize um i was like why do i recognize this voice why do i recognize his voice he played rupert thorne in the batman animated series oh wow okay so it's like i I recognize him from that apparently he did a lot a lot of uh voice acting work which i okay i love but john vernon in this movie is so fucking good at playing that role. And at first he kind of comes off as just like a, I don't fucking want to be here. I'm doing this for the paycheck type of performance, but he brings so much. I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say class because that's the wrong word, but like he brings an air of respectability to this film because like nothing against any of the actors or people involved in this film, but it's it's kind of made up of relatively no name actors. Correct. You know, I think at this time, the biggest name might have been Suzanne Snyder for her very small role in Weird Science, mm-hmm. and I think she was also in Night of the Creeps, um, and Return of the Living Dead Part Two. So like, 
you know, none of them had a quote unquote name, but she was definitely the more recognizable face for me. You yeah. Know, Grant Kramer did did a lot of stuff, but not a lot of stuff that I had recognized. He kind of became a bigger name later on as a producer, having produced Willy's Wonderland as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Mike Tobacco was one of the producers in Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Let All that right. sink in. So like I said, like these people hadn't done a lot. They've they've all been working consistently and working and doing good work. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know belittle the work that they're doing. They just weren't big names. I don't right, think that's right. unfair to say. Um, you know maybe, but the biggest names were Royal Dano, who played um, Farmer uh, Gene Green. He had been in a lot of stuff, making his first pro- uh, project being in 1950. Worked on a lot of television. Worked on The Rifleman, which you know how much I love that. Alfred Hitchcock oh, presents yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, but then uh, John Vernon, like I said, he had he had been a big name from Animal House. He had been in Dirty Harry. He had been in the Outlaw Josie Wales. He had been in Point Blank. He had been in the Alfred Hitchcock movie Topaz. Well, eventually, also was in Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> but oh shit, yeah! Look, look at the look at the connection there. I love it. Uh, and but like he brings this air of respectability to this role, to this movie, and I love that the Chiodo brothers trusted him enough for him to be like, "Hey, I know what you're trying to do with this scene. Let me try something." And a it's one of the most unsettling scenes for a couple mm-hmm. of reasons. One, his performance is just fucking great. Two, John Vernon does not come across as the type of actor who would be like, if they were like, let's make your cheeks rosy and have you sit on a clown's lap and pretend to be a marionette. He seems like one of those old school actors who'd be like, over my fucking dead body. <laughs> Yeah, but he did it. I don't think so. Yeah, he did it. But he He did it, and he did it really fucking well. And it's one of the most uh, unsettling scenes in the movie. Hey, Jay. Who was the lady I saw you with last night? Yeah, especially when he's done, when Jumbo's done, and he takes his hand out of his back. It's covered in blood. He sloshes it to the ground and then just pushes Mooney over. Like, it was, you're just like, all right, I was having fun with this movie. Now I'm, like, utterly terrified of these fucking yeah. clowns. And oh my God. on top of that, too, like, um, it's just, it takes the movie to a whole different level. And it's like, when mm. they kill off, like, John Burnham, like, oh, fuck, this movie is gonna, you don't know where this movie's gonna go. Yeah, that kind of does. It's it's kind of like a tonal shift, honestly, where you're like, "Wow, yeah, this is a completely different direction." Now, now I'm a bit scared. But then they counter that immediately after with kind of a fun little cheesy scene when um, Dave is pulls out his gun to shoot Jumbo, and you find out that you have to shoot them on the nose to kill them, and then he spins up and then 
explodes into confetti. So you're like, all right, I was just genuinely scared. Now that was pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and they and they, I love that it takes them a while to utilize that. Uh, yeah, that knowledge, which is also a trope of these sci-fi movies. Okay, um, yeah. which I love. Um, and like I said, this movie is this movie is lean and mean, where it, it just kind of it doesn't overstay its welcome. It knows what it's doing. It gets things moving, and it just has a lot of fun with its characters. Like I um, absolutely love the Terenzi brothers and their fucking yeah. ice cream and their ice cream trucks. So goofy. Um, at first, I was like convinced, like I bet those are the Chiodo brothers. They weren't, but like <laughs> I, I just, I, I just had in my head. I was like, I wonder if that's the Chiodo. Bro- I had no idea what they looked like. Yeah, um, like that would have been a fun cameo. Yeah, and I, I just I love that this movie is not a it it it's not a it doesn't take itself too seriously. However, it's also it knows what it's making. And it knows when it should be a little bit more serious. Yeah, I think it's pretty self aware. Like obviously, when you have a bunch of clowns and these huge faces, and you know it's going to be some sort of cheese, but they also do take it serious enough to where I, I, I don't know. It's it's quite interesting because like I definitely feel like they know what they were doing. They weren't. It's not a movie that they made that became campy over the years. It's something that was done intentionally to be cheesy, but also at the same time they had some very serious moments. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's hard. It's hard when you make a movie that's supposed to be intentionally cheesy, uh, because sometimes people go way too overboard with it. And remember that right. remember that trend for a while, like after the Grindhouse movies came out, and everyone was trying to make faux Grindhouse movies where they just lacked a fundamental understanding of what these mm-hmm. movies are. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're making it bad intentionally. Well, here's the thing: no one ever tried to make it bad, right? They always tried to make it good, and from various means, they weren't able to get there. And that's what makes the Chiodo Brothers film far more interesting. They're not trying to make it bad. They're trying to make it as good as possible while also having fun with it. And then you have everyone in the movie pretty much playing it straight, you know, and like there's not really anybody that leans into the cheesiness. I mean, besides maybe, you know, the farmer, he's kind of he's kind of funny and cheesy. But, you know, Mike Tobacco is playing it straight. Yeah. Debbie's is playing it straight. Like everyone's playing their character pretty fucking straightforward. So that really adds into the OK, I, I'm, this movie's believable enough to me, but also has its fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly it. It's like, you know, it's not a trauma movie. Where no. <laughs> everyone is that is cranked up to eleven. Like I said, they're all embodying these characters and trying to react as legitimately as possible to the ridiculous situations that are happening. Mm-hmm. And that's not a slight yeah. against trauma. Trauma does its own thing. Uh, yeah, and trauma, I love yeah, trauma. Trauma is its own thing. I love trauma. <laughs> I worked with trauma. I'm two. I'm I'm two degrees up from Kevin Bacon because of trauma. <laughs> But it's a, it's you know I can I feel like another, other filmmakers would have made this a trauma movie, and that's not a bad yeah. thing. That still would have been great for a very different reason. <laughs> um, but I do love that they take themselves seriously. I do love that we got some legitimately creepy scenes, and like that shadow puppet scene was also pretty fucking creepy, really creative. Yeah, and like, creative use. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I really like this movie. I feel like upon rewatch, my rating for it's going to go up and up. Uh, right now, I think I'm sitting at about a 3.5, maybe okay. a 4. I'm teetering. I haven't actually put my rating in yet because I wanted to. Sometimes after talking to people, your rating changes a little bit. 
Oh, that happens all the time. Um, for sure. That's why I typically, if I'm if I'm rating something and I talk about it, then I, I'll change my rating. I've done that before. But uh, speaking of that little um, shadow puppet scene, so that clown is my favorite. His name is Slim. I have a tattoo of him on my leg. He's my favorite. Is this and the one? He, is this the tattoo that covered up your James Bond tattoo? No. Well, I mean, yes. It's like, <laughs> so I did. I, I did a whole sleeve on my leg. This is on the back side of my leg. But uh, what a, he's, he's what a sleeve on your leg be called a sock <laughs> or a pant a, a high sock yeah a knee a knee high sock <laughs> so my knee high sock um, so yeah I've got him on my leg but he's he's I don't know I just love him as the clown he's the clown that has the side hair and he's got like these three little like things on top of his head he's the really tall one in the pink outfit yeah but he's part of one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Um, besides the stuff that he's already in that I love. But he's in a scene. So there's a scene where there's a guy driving down a country road. It's dark. And Slim pulls up next to him on this, like, invisible car, right? And he's driving next to him, and he's, like, kind of hitting the car, kind of hitting the car. And eventually he runs his car off the road. I think this scene is hilarious because he didn't get his cotton candy gun. He didn't try to take this guy back to the ship. He just ran this guy off the road and killed the shit out of him for no reason. No reason. No other other clown does that. They all are getting the cotton candy guns and bringing the people back to the ship except for this guy. He's just vindictive. Yeah, he's and then he gets out of the uh, off his little bike or whatever, and just like and starts laughing, and you're like, that was so fucked up. But uh, I thought it was hilarious because there's no other scene like that in the movie. They're usually just taking people back to their ship, which the cotton candy effects are are so much fun. Yeah, with the, with the gun, I love those effects. They're just so much fun. I I, Turning- I yeah, I love all the props. <laughs> I love the way everything looks. I also love that the clowns don't talk. Mm-hmm. Like, we never get, like, the praise to kill our speech or any of that shit where, like, we are coming to this planet for such and such. It's like, no, they just came here to fuck shit up and p- probably leave. There is a small bit of dialogue that a couple of them have if you turn your subtitles on, but it's their voices are so distorted that you really can't make it out. So they don't mm-hmm. have scenes where they're perfectly speaking or even even full sentences. It's like a couple of words, and, and that's about it. Like, one of them says, uh-oh, at one point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're like not they, re- here. they react they're emoting exactly yeah they're not here to be like say the cheesy stuff which is cool and i love how they almost all have two different faces too they have their regular face and then when they go to laugh they have all those giant jagged teeth and their faces look a little bit more animated well i don't know if you noticed that yes i did and i think it's because they they had two ma- they had two faces for everything right because they had the the mask which does not move at all correct and then for close-ups, they had an animatronic version where they can yeah. get all those expressions. And um, this is actually a perfect time to give a little bit of love to the editor, Christopher Roth, because com- granted, it, it's it's a combination of him and his work and the way the Chiodo brothers shot this. Because the nice thing about working with effects people is they know all the limitations for their makeup and their prosthetics and their stuff. So they know when they have to, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. They know what to do to, to make their stuff look the best. So a combination Mm. of having some really talented effects artists as the director, plus a, a a solid editor, um, really helped this movie, um, to hide those effects. Um, So I love that, and and, Chris, and Christopher Roth, he's he's done a lot of work. I think he might have even been 
the editor on Hatchet, but the man's been working so steady. Yeah, he also cut Hatchet and a bunch of other movies. Um, yep. So. Yeah. Yeah, he, I think this 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 just had a great team just come together to make this movie. I think everybody involved did their part so well. And it's what really sells the movie for me. It's just because it looks great. Even I mean, even my Blu-ray that I have, the Arrow Blu-ray, it looks so clean and it looks so nice. Like it, it does not look like a movie from the eighties. No, like even really even doesn't. the version I, I streamed off of Amazon Prime looked really good because I, I wasn't able oh, to good. get the Blu-ray in time. Um, from uh, I was originally going to buy it from Amazon and I put it off for whatever reason. Uh, so I just streamed it off of Amazon Prime and it looked really good. Good. Okay, I, I was wondering how the uh, how the streaming looked, but yeah, I mean, even just the overall look of this movie is fantastic. You know, you've got a great score, you've got everyone giving it their all, you've got great people behind it. So it's just one of those movies that everyone came together, did their jobs very well, and they put out a, a solid product. Definitely. All right, I feel like we're winding down a little bit, Austin. As is customary on this show, do you have a thrill house moment? <laughs> I have so I have a couple here because it kind of was just like like with the first you know the first second or third time I watched this I, I think it was probably the second or third is when I had this like kind of ramp up where like ooh I'm really into this movie so it's kind of early on it's about 15 minutes in when Mike and Debbie rip off the cotton candy sack and there's a face under there that was my like oh shit um that's kind of scary and yeah then my that's thrill a good moment. So that's a good moment, but like the thrill house moment for me is when all of the clowns get together and head to town and they're walking down the little street and it's like Crescent Cove five miles. I was like, oh shit, they are going after them. They're going to fuck shit up. It's mine too. And yeah. So, and then, yeah. Okay. So that's yours too. And then the moment that I like that kind of connected the cotton candy scene was when uh, the first time you see the cotton candy gun. And you see how they get those. I was like, oh, okay. And then Spike laughs like all manically. But yeah, them all walking to town. I was like, they're going to go fuck up so much shit. And I am here for it. So that's yeah, what I got. That, yeah. That's probably, <laughs> okay. that's, that was definitely my thrill house moment. But like the moment that made me realize like this movie is, is so self-aware, knows what it's doing, is when they get off, when they get out of the tent and they're like, um, um, like, they're chasing Mike when they're chasing Mike with yeah the, uh, yeah I'm, I'm just trying to think of the right word their um their watchdog is a fucking balloon dog <laughs> yeah yeah it just I it killed me <laughs> yeah and <laughs> and you've got you've got Mike and uh, Debbie running away and all the popcorn is just flying off of their yes, clothes yes <laughs> this movie made me want popcorn something fierce. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's like a subliminal message. It's like, you want popcorn now. I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That, so, uh, so we have the same Thrill House moment. Uh, like this movie just kind of like gets going right away. And like I said, then even just as you're building up to like when you first see the clowns, like you're just treated by all these beautiful matte paintings and like that uh, comet effect. And yeah, a loving yeah. tribute to 1950s sci-fi with a killer clown from outer space bent. <laughs> I'm going to have to check out some of those movies and kind of see what you're... Because, I mean, I've seen a couple here and there, but I really haven't seen a lot. So I'll have to check some out and see if I can understand what you mean by how the film is laid out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and see if I can see the correlation uh, to Killer Clowns. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. that was, um, Unless you got anything else you want to say about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. 
Uh, the only thing I really uh, other I mean, there's a couple things I could say, but the yeah. number one thing I want to say is I want to know what the fuck happened to Pooh Bear because they just kidnapped that poor dog. They don't show him like being killed or anything. Like, what happened to Pooh Bear? He did not do anything wrong. I'm like, did they wrap him up in cotton candy? And then my brain was like, do, would they, he have a different taste since he was a dog? That's where my mind went. I don't know why. <laughs> I love I, I, that I, Farmer Green named his dog Pooh Bear. Yeah, Pooh Bear. I was like, oh, why would uh, she have to kidnap Pooh Bear? Uh, I know. Amanda's, so. Amanda was working on some like website building stuff. And she turned to her like, is that dog's name Pooh Bear? And she's like, I was like, yeah. And she's like, awesome. Yeah, that's an <laughs> awesome name. And he was such a sweet little dog. So I, my heart goes out to that dog. Because they didn't at least show it on screen, which I was thankful for. But I'm like, what happened to Pooh Bear, man? God. Maybe, because uh, I know the Chiodo brothers want to do a sequel. Maybe we'll find out the or- what happened to Pooh Bear. He's just their mascot in the tent. He's just walking around. Yeah, <laughs> that he, would be he, fine with me. He's like Cosmo the space dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all as long right. as he's okay, that's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Austin. So tell everyone where they can find you. Tell them about your uh, amazing podcast and what you've got on the horizon, if you can talk about it, because I know you should keep that stuff secret. Uh, no, I don't mind at all. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Slasher app at Frightmares Podcast. We're streaming where all podcasts are all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever, everywhere. Um, this will come out in February, right? Yeah, probably um, within the next week or so. Perfect. So this month at Over at Frightmares, we're doing Creature Feature February. We did Doom for the first week of February, and we are doing Wait, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie Doom? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. We're, do- we're doing Doom the first week and then Cloverfield on week two. And if you want to know what we're doing for the rest of the month, you'll have to come listen to me on Frightmares. Yes, and Cloverfield's a great fucking movie. Yes, we're, I'm very excited to finally be doing that one. It's one of my favorite, all-time favorite found footage movies. I re-fell in love with it like last year. I got a review copy from Paramount. and Oh, nice. It's the first time I'd seen it since it came out. And Whoa, okay. That new disc sounds incredible. Was it the, uh, the Steelbook that they put out? Yes. Yes, that Steelbook looks beautiful. It is the... So my receiver up converts things that aren't in Atmos. It tries to do like an Atmos mix. It's not, not as good as actually listening to it in Atmos. But there was effects in that movie that I swore that movie was in Atmos. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So I'm excited to be uh, reviewing Cloverfield. All right. And by this point, everyone listening to this show should know where to find me. Shameless Picture Show pretty much on every platform. Buyers 10 2008 on Letterboxd. Uh, check out Austin's show. I'm a frequent guest on there. Surprisingly, we don't have anything planned yet for this year, but I know I'll be coming on that show soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, this is season eight, episode season one. Season eight, eight, baby. This is episode one of season eight. I've been doing this show for eight fucking years, man. Hell yeah, dude. I love it. Um, and we got some good <laughs> stuff planned for you. Nick's going to come back for an episode this season. We're going to do Blade Runner. So that should be yes. fun. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> Which version are you going to watch? Because there's like nine I have versions. to figure that out. I'm thinking theatrical. Okay. I feel like I need to watch the original version. I need to, I, 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 my yeah. general rule is I either watch the theatrical cut or I watch whatever the director's preferred cut is. Like When we yeah. did Apocalypse Now, we watched the Redux cut because uh, Coppola said that's his preferred cut of the film. Okay. good. That's so, a good plan. Perfect plan. Uh, we'll see. But we'll see. Um. um so I'm probably going to have to buy it for that reason, just so I have the yeah. choice. Um, I'm going to have um, 
said some of the guests I have planned. I'm going to have my friend Drew Britton on again. He's the guy I did uh, Mikey and Nikki with. Um, Josephine will probably be on again this season. Um, I have um, a friend of mine, and he she also produced one of my films, Susan Kearns. She just wrote a book on the uh, filmmaker Susan Seidelman. So we're going to talk about one of her films. Uh, it should be a good season. Excellent, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate that, bud. And I uh, thank once again, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, I've not done my sign-off in a while. I feel like I should. Oh, you have to. It's okay. the greatest. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. You can catch us here next time. Shame time, shame place, shameless picture show. <laughs> I love that so much. The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Byers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Byers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed. The shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Byers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.